0: I'm reporting to you live from France, where I just finished watching the projected number one pick in the 2023 NBA draft, Victor Wimbayama perform in his first home game of the season. Here are my thoughts on what I saw from Victor's performance. Again, stay tuned. Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I am Raphael Barlow, the host of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder from NBA Draft Junkies. I call myself the one-stop shop for draft content. I scout, I write, I create video content, and of course, I do podcasts, and I love to travel. So, once again, shout out to each and every person that has made this podcast a success and all right let's just get right into it it is one thirty-four a.m in the morning in paris and i am recording this podcast i was you know normally i would have a podcast out in the morning but i wanted to create some content around around this game and the games in europe start late like it is a eight thirty p.m start for a lot of games in europe i think it's based off of TV times since in in some of the more popular areas, but I don't know. It it is late. Once the game is over, it's like eleven o'clock. Luckily, the games aren't as long, and the half times aren't as long, and it's not as entertainment as as NBA games. I mean, NBA games are really long, but they don't start at eight thirty local time. But yeah, so I I'm here in Paris. I came to watch Victor Wembanyama play, and it was it was a mixed performance. Right, so the first half he had like three fouls in the first like four minutes of action so that's the thing about scouting that kind of makes things complicated in a sense is that you can travel far in this case I traveled ten hours and the last thing you want to see is a guy that you're looking to scout and he's in foul trouble or the refs decide you know his minutes in this case I mean he you know, he, he really didn't have three fouls in the first four minutes. So, don't want to blame the rest there. But, yeah, the first half was pretty pretty uneventful. One of the things I noticed is that the team, they caught pow. They went right at him. First couple plays of the game. And they went at him and attacked him with, you know, your typical undersized, stocky, broad-shouldered, strong low post, traditional low post score. And those guys give Wimbenyama a little bit of trouble. I mean, you can go back to the under-19s last summer where Kenny Lofton, who is now playing for the Memphis Grizzlies, saved Team USA because he was able to get Wimbeyama in foul trouble just by using his, his, I want to say size, but not necessarily, you know, you think of size, sometimes you think of height, but uses just his bulk and his strength to get into the body of Wimbayama and that was the game plan today. And it, it's it, it kinda reminded me of the last game I saw Wimbayama. And I've mentioned the story before, but last year I got married in Paris and the same day I got married, me and my wife went to go um, watch Paris Basket versus Asvel. So, so it was Victor Wimbayama versus Ishmael Kamagate who was um drafted by the Nuggets this year. And Kamagate got Vic in foul trouble and I remember my wife saying this is the guy that you're saying is gonna be the number one pick? And, you know, it's kinda of hard to explain to her. But it, it seemed like deja vu in a sense that he was in foul trouble early this game. And in the first half it was very, very uneventful. And for me, like I said, you know, I made the trip out here and I can I can talk a little bit about the trip. Uh I'm I'm starting to understand that the train system in Paris, so um, they have, like, I call it the JV game, but it's called, like, Espoir. Hopefully I'm pronouncing it right. But they have a game at 5 o'clock where it's, like, the under-21 team plays, which is one of the reasons I love scouting in France because you can see, like, the, quote-unquote, varsity team play and the JV team play. You can see some of the younger guys. And so there is a kid named Bilal Koulabli. hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, that I wanted to check out at the 5 o'clock game. And uh, he, he played well. Played really, really well. It's a name that I think you're going to hear a lot of in the future. Then um, I was able to run into some scouts, some NBA scouts. And shout out to uh, to, the, to, to the Locked On NBA Big Board crew. Um, a few scouts told me that they listened to this podcast and for a difference of opinion. So I thought that was pretty cool to hear. And then um, I knew I had a pass to the game, but I didn't know like where. I didn't know if I had a media pass. Big, big shout out to the people on the Metropolitan staff. I mean, they rolled out the red carpet for me. I had seats on the second row. Like, the the row in front of me was... The seat said Wimbayama. So, it was like his immediate family. I was on the second row. I had actually better seats than than some NBA scouts. And I was able to film some stuff. So, man, the, the hospitality was great. Only thing that wasn't good was... Again, he had three fouls in the first four minutes. Like I said, it was kind of deja vu. But the thing that stood out to me before you know, the game was how tall and long Wim is. So I know I saw him play last year, but it was, I didn't have like the same access. So even though I was kind of by the court, it was still a little bit of, you know, like if you go to NBA game, you can be on the floor, but then there's like the courtside seats and all of that. But this time he was like inches from me. And the first thing that stood out to me is how tall and how long he is. I've stood next to Yao Ming before, and honestly, I feel like Vic is just as tall as Yao Ming. Definitely not as wide. I mean, I I've saw and I saw Yao was a few years ago, and he's he's got to be like 400 pounds. That dude is huge. He's like as big as a tree. But Vic is extremely tall, long. And when he dunks, it reminds me of me playing on a Nerf rim with my younger brothers. And, you know, if there was any doubt about how tall he is, whatever height he's, he was listed at is totally incorrect. I mean, you can look at the picture from last summer where he was towering over Chet Holmgren. And you knew that he was taller than seventy one. He's 7'5". And, you know, I know there was a report that came out that he's 7'4". He's 7'5 in shoes. I mean, arms ridiculously long. I mean, it's just crazy to see someone this size move the way he does. He is fluid like a wing. If he's not fluid like your traditional wing, then he is as fluid as your stretch four. And, I mean, just the physical tools are crazy. Um, the body's filling out. He's still thin, but you can see the shoulders are a little bit broader than last year. He's put on some weight. And I definitely believe that he has um, the opportunity to put on 20 to 30 pounds and it not really have a major impact on his game, And especially if he goes to a team where where he puts on the weight gradually. So that was the first thing that stood out to me pre-game was, again, the size, the length, the mobility. The shot looks crazy good. Um, it's, it's one of those shots where it's an easy shot. It's high arcing. And you have to be thrilled with his promise as a shooter, which he's shown some flashes of that in in the past few preseason games. But overall, like I said, just the physical tools are alarming. And like I said, the coordination and all that. So when we return, I will get into the game, what I I saw in the second half, because the first half there was absolutely nothing (laughs) worth noting other than he picked up three fouls but in the second half he, he picked it up and turned it on but before i get into what i saw in the second half you know i gotta talk to you about bet online because betonline.net is the number one source for football betting this season find all of the latest player developments team matchups news podcasts and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find and as always bet online remains your continued source for all of your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there, the fastest. And the easiest way to check on all your favorite games, events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, is at BetOnline. So head to BetOnline.net, use your mobile device to learn more. That's because BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, once again, shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. All right, this is Rafael Barlow again reporting to you live from Paris. It is now 1.43 a.m. And let's just get into the second half. The second half, Wimbayama was a much, much better player. He looked like the player that has been hyped up and projected as the top pick in the draft. Started off looking for a shot. He was definitely aggressive. It it felt like, you know, I know people are here to watch me play and I I have this hype to live up to. Let me show my offense. And so he he came out and the jump shot didn't fall. He only made one jumper, but I like the fact that he was aggressive. I like the fact that he fights for position in the post, despite the fact that he's, he's skinny and he's long and he's kind of easily pushed out of his spots by guys with a lower center of gravity who are stronger. He fights. You know, once they swing the ball, he goes from from block to block fighting for a low post position. He tries to make contact on screens. And so I thought that was was impressive. And his first basket was a, a dunk where you're just like, I can't believe he dunked that far. It looked like he dunked from outside of the box from, from my angle. And it was just like this aggressive and this passion and this competitive fire that, that I liked. And you know, you, you hear about guys being really tall as being like gentle giants. And on the court, Wim Benyama is not a gentle giant, despite the fact that, again, he's thin. He does have some grit and some toughness to his game. Then um, he, the, the part that really, really impressed me, two things, one, the rebounding. He is, maybe three things, the rebounding. He is like a magnet to the ball. I know he's long and his arms are like as long as the Eiffel Tower, but he does go after rebounds. He will get some rebounds out of his area. Sometimes they just come to him because of his length, but he fights for position. He wants every rebound. So that stood out to me. The defense, you know, we we all have heard about his defense. He's been compared to Rudy Gobert on, on defense, and he is a difference maker on the defensive end, whether it's Just his length or or making guys take tough shots. He likes to um, uh, contest shots on the perimeter also. So he's not one of these bigs that expects to block shots in the paint and and doesn't want to defend or or contest deep threes on the perimeter. He goes out and he attempts to to block shots. But he had a few blocks where he was standing flat-footed. Like, literally, like, I mean, the only comparison I can think of is on the Nerf rim. Like, when I used to play my younger brothers who are five and seven years younger than me, and how they used to shoot layups so that I could just be standing still, flat-footed, and blocking their shots along the wall. I mean, he had at least two blocks that I felt like he was just flat-footed. And he does have a tendency to like kind of swing and wind up on blocks because he's trying to, at least in my opinion, send a message and block the shot into the ninth row. But other than that, I mean, I think the verticality um is it's just impactful around the rim now what powell did was attack him i had mentioned they looked to attack him on post touches but they also looked to attack him out of pick and roll so what they would do is they would run a screen and he would definitely contain the the ball handler and then the ball handler would pass it to the roll man and the roll man would kind of short roll and on his short roll on the catch he just looked to put his body into Yam and try to draw fouls, or at least get him in foul trouble. Sometimes he can alter it with his length, and then there's times where it just looks like an obvious foul because um, he may not keep his arm straight up and vertical. But overall, I thought the shot blocking, and he had a couple steals, had a couple hustle plays. The effort is there, and the biggest thing that really caught my attention was the passing. Now, I saw some flashes of playmaking and passing last year at Asville, but the games that I've watched in the preseason and today's game showed me that he has a high IQ as a passer, and he is going to be a really good passer in the NBA. Not saying that he's going to be Jokic, but because of his height, he can see over the top of guys. He can see things at different angles. But what I like is that he has a good feel. He had a couple of impressive touch passes, even, like, on a rebound. Like, there were times where he'd have a rebound and he's in traffic. And instead of, like, grabbing it with two hands, bringing it down, he would catch it high and just basically tap it out to the point guard so they can initiate the offense. So little things like that um, caught my attention. But he had a couple really nice reads from the high post on the high low. And I think that he is a much... Much much better passer than given credit for. His passing is really really underrated at this point. And then offensively, he only knocked down one jumper. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he hit a three. The shot, like I said earlier, it looks good. He's confident in the shot, which is you know something that that stands out to me. And he is going to be able to put the ball on the floor. As weird as it sounds, to be seven five and lanky. He is going to be able to put the ball on the floor and attack closeouts once the three ball is a a big enough threat where teams are trying to run him off the line, which is going to be interesting alone because with his wingspan reported like 7'9 and a high arcing shot, you can't even contest his shot, really. Like, you're not going to really be able to get a hand in his face and and really alter his shot. High release, um, I think that he's going to be a really big weapon as, like, a face-up guy to where, you know, he can face up, shoot over the top of smaller guys. But his coordination and agility and ball handling and ability to put the ball on the floor also caught my attention. I mean, we saw flashes of it, but he... It looks kind of weird. Last year, he looked like a deer, you know, like a baby deer. When he tried to put the ball on the floor, he ended up in a lot of possessions where he fell. He just looked like his body was just not as in sync with his legs. And so he looks a lot more fluid this year. And um, I I expect to see possessions where he even gets the rebound and takes it coast to coast, or he gets the ball at, like, the three-point line in transition and is able to attack and finish. I mean, he's so long. I mean, I think he can dunk from the three-point line. I really do. As crazy as it may sound, I think if you just emptied out the floor, and of course, with a running start, and maybe, like, not the NBA three, but, like, the high school three, Because his his wingspan is like 7'9". And his arms are so long. And he's agile and coordinated. I think with a running start from the baseline, he can dunk from the high school three-point line. I could be wrong. But I just think so. I've never seen anybody this long. And he has the fluidity, agility, all of that that I mentioned earlier. But yeah, the, the ability to put the ball on the floor and attack defenders is going to be um, there's going to be a weapon in his arsenal. Now, he'll definitely need to bulk up to be able to handle the bump and, and you know, the contact, but, again, we haven't seen anybody 7'5", seven, 7'4", seven, with not only, like, perimeter wing shooting skills, but, like, the ability to to do stuff off the dribble, whether it's, like, um short roll off the, off the or at the short corner off the catch face up put the ball on the floor uh wonderful pull ups i mean he has just a ridiculous of a ridiculous amount of potential and flashes of offensive skill set that if he puts it together, and i know this is i'm not saying anything that hasn't been heard before, but if he puts it together along with the defense i mean we're talking about a generational generational talent all right one more segment and what I'm going to do in this segment is I'm going to answer questions I had so many people whether it's on Instagram or Twitter asking me questions about this performance how did he look so I'm going to answer those questions stay tuned all right in this last segment like I said I'm going to just answer a bunch of questions that I had it is now 1 52 a.m. And the reason it's, I'm not as tired is because my body clock is all thrown off. I think I fell asleep last night around 11 o'clock. I talked to my wife and FaceTime my son. And then I woke up about 1 a.m. And when I woke up around 1 a.m., I couldn't go back to sleep. And 1 a.m. is probably like 5 p.m. in Dallas. So... Couldn't go back to sleep. As much as I tried to go to sleep, then I ended up putting on my iPad and watching film on on different guys. By that time, it was 6 o'clock in the morning. I waited, got some breakfast, and ate and hadn't been to sleep. And then I came back and was still awake. And then I ended up falling asleep. And I didn't wake up until 3.30. And the Espoir, or JV game, started at 5. So right now, I'm still on U.S. time, which my body clock is telling me it's close to 7 p.m., but I need to try to get to bed and, and try to, uh, you know, at least somewhat uh, get on a regular schedule because there's some things that I, I want to, to do tomorrow. But all right, let me get, or not even tomorrow, later on today. All right, but let me get into these questions, all right? The first question I got was, were NBA teams there? And the answer is yes. I won't mention the name of the teams there. I don't know if they want me to or not, but there were multiple teams there Um Uh, I would say I saw, at least based off the seats, like they had the the seats labeled by by the team, I saw a few teams from the Eastern Conference. Uh, Two of the teams that were there are teams that are expected to be in the playoffs. So I thought that was interesting. Maybe they're they're not just there to see Wimbyama. Maybe they're there to, to see somebody else. But that was kind of shocking to me. I mean, you'd expect, like, the Thunder, the Spurs, the Jazz, uh, the teams that aren't expected to to really compete for <laughs> the playoffs this year to to be there, but there were some playoff teams that that were in attendance. So yes, there were NBA teams there. All right, next question: Is he really seven four? Uh, he's seven five with shoes on. You play the game with shoes on, so I go by seven five. But yes, he is legitimately seven five. Wingspan, I think it's like 7'9", is what it's listed at. Man, it seemed like it, it might be 8 feet. Dude, is long. Alright, shouldn't he put up better numbers than 10 points? And uh, on one hand, yeah, he, he was in foul trouble. He only played 20 minutes, and he played 16 of those in the second half. So he had 10 points in 16 minutes in the second half. The thing about European prospects is you can't always judge them by the numbers. If I'm not mistaken, Luca only averaged like 15 a game the year he won EuroLeague MVP. The game is it's shorter, it's more team-oriented, it's more physical, so you don't really see guys putting up 20 and 30, 40, or 50 like you see in the NBA. The game is totally different, which makes his performances, even though they were preseason, the 34-point performance and and, um, and the 23 in his first game, makes that more impressive, but. You know, you can't always judge European guys by by putting up big numbers. All right, how did he pick up his fouls? Were they silly fouls? I think one was silly. Um, maybe two, but, I mean, they were legitimately attacking him and, and, and making him defend um, someone that was aggressive, that had a lower center of gravity, that was looking to go at his body. So, um, But he did good in the second half. I think he only picked up one foul in the second half. He played a lot more discipline. I I'd say maybe one, maybe two, you can say we're silly fouls. Alright, what is the biggest takeaway from his performance? The biggest takeaway is I mentioned it earlier, his length and the passing and the ability to put the ball on the floor. And I also really think that the jump shot is going to be really good later on. Like I think he has the tools, the touch and all of that to be a, a really good three point shooter. Next question. How do you think he'll look versus the Ignite? You know, that's a million dollar question. Uh, On one hand, it's an exhibition game, so you don't want to get too excited about an exhibition game. But then on the other hand, they're coming all the way to the United States in their season. So um, it it sounds as if they want to give the people, the scouts, the fans, the draft junkies what they're looking for. So I think that. Uh, the game is going to be interesting. I don't know who's all on the Ignite roster as far as, like, the, the veterans. Um, but I think that, you know, he, he actually may look better in that NBA-style setting where the, the pace is a little bit faster. They're running up and down. So he may look better. I I, I predict a double-double. You know, I'm going to predict 17 points, maybe 12 rebounds, and four blocks with, a you know, two or three assists. I, I think he'll look good um anything you saw in person that doesn't show on film uh yeah i'd say the ball handling i'd say the ball handling and just the how well he moves he is someone that i think can be able to score and, and shoot off of pin downs and action plays so how well he moves in the fluidity stood out a little bit more to me in person than it does in film Should we be concerned about the foul trouble yes and no i think that because he's so hyped and he's You know, where he's projected to go, um, people may not be as patient with him. I mean, I'm starting to see a lot of people now are just kind of questioning him. Oh, you know, same thing we saw with Chet. Oh, you know, he he, he won't be able to do this or he's not this or, you know, he's overrated. Um, You're going to have to give him patience or give him time and be patient. I do think that early in his NBA career, he is going to struggle with with fouls. Um, just because guys are going to be looking to attack him and guards are probably going to be jumping into his body. He's going to get a lot of blocks. I think he's going to block a ridiculous amount of shots. But he's also going to pick up a a lot of fouls just because people are going to test him. And you know guards or wings or people are going to be looking to dunk on him and put him on a poster. So I think that is going to also have an impact on, on his fouls. Um, Next question, where does he score in the NBA? You know, this was a legitimate concern that I had prior to these preseason games. I thought, okay, he's not going to be able to get post touches in the NBA because guys are going to be able to push him off the block, and the NBA doesn't really give a lot of post touches. And I used to wonder, like, is he going to be able to score outside of being a vertical lob threat and a guy that scores off dump-offs and, and, you know, just it's kind of spoon-fit. That was a major concern that I had at this time last year. Now I don't have those concerns. I think he's going to be able to score as a face-up guy. I think you give him the ball in the short corner; he's going to be able to knock down those jumpers. You give him the ball at the elbow, and he's going to pass and find cutters. He's going to knock down elbow jumpers. Of course, he's going to be a pick-and-roll vertical lob threat, especially in the NBA, where the floor is more spread. It's hard to, at least in my opinion, get like a lot of pick-and-roll, easy pick-and-roll finishes in, in Europe because the lane is definitely congested. And they play a lot of uh, lineups where there are traditional bigs and not the same amount of floor spacing. Um, I think that he can be a transition finisher. and he can be someone that you know can score buckets in transition. And I think he can be a pick-and-pop guy. So I think that he is going to be able to score in a variety of ways in the NBA. Again, but this is something that a year ago at this time I had some real concerns. Are, are you buying into the shooting? Yes, yes, yes. I am buying into the shooting. The shot looks really, really good. High arcing, soft touch. I I, I believe that he's going to be at least a 35% three-point shooter. 35-36, which makes him respectable. And, you know, you add that on top of his defense and, you know, just the way he can put the ball on the floor, um, he's, he's going to be a weapon. He's going to be a real weapon. But, yes, I am buying into the shooting. I think he will be a pick-and-pop guy, and maybe even a guy that you you kind of run screens for to get him open for three. Um, Because, again, you can't contest it, No, no matter who you put on them, you can't contest it. All right, the last question is, how does the French League compare to college basketball? I'll say this much. The guys, the American players that are playing in the French League were really good college players, it, the French league doesn't have the same level left as former NBA players of like the Euro League or maybe even like the Turkish league or, or Spain. Um, the, the former NBA players that are in France are usually guys that were two way guys or maybe very, very back end of the roster. So I know on his team you have, jeez, um, I can't think of his name. It's late. I can't think of the guy's name. Small Tremont Waters, small point guard from LSU that played for Boston. He's on his team. Um, yeah, you don't have the same level of former superstars in college or former NBA players as you do in some other leagues, but the French League is athletic. Uh, I, I think that it is a good league. It's not a great league. I think it's the perfect situation for him because they're only playing once a week, and uh, he, he's saving like the punishment on this in frame by playing once a week instead of playing against the, the EuroLeague teams. Uh, but it, it's a good league. I'd say it's a top five league in Europe, in, in my opinion. Um, I'd have to say Spain, ACB is the toughest. Maybe Turkey, maybe Greece. Uh, but it, it's in that range. So I, it, it's a respectable league. Well, that wraps it up. Once again, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry for the episode being so late i know it probably may run into the episode that my my colleagues are looking to post for wednesday so when you get this it'll be tuesday night but once again thank you for making the locked on nba big world podcast your first listen of the day every day and i make your second listen the locked on fantasy basketball where josh lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet it is free and it is available wherever you get your podcast. I am Rafael Barlow. Again, this is something I forgot to mention. Please please subscribe to my NBA Big Board newsletter. It is exclusive content. Uh I definitely have an article in detail about this uh Yama game and some some comments from scouts that that were at the game. And uh but yeah, I'm I'm looking to really really step it up this year, have different um uh just different content that it's kind of out thinking outside of the box, but of course, I'm still going to have what Chat Ford had, which was a lot of intel from, from NBA scouts. So look forward to that article. But well, please subscribe. NBA Big Board is $50 for the year or $7 a month, whichever, whichever you choose. But as you can see, that money that I'm making from the newsletter, I'm putting it right back into scouting. I'm, I'm hungry. I'm I'm starving to be really good in this industry, and so that money, like I said, is going right back into my travels and scouting, so I give you good podcasts and good uh, reading content, so check it out, NBAbeatboard.com, please subscribe, all right, that wraps it up, it is now 2.04 a.m., I need to get some rest, I will talk to you later, and I am out.